you know, as Christians, we have to understand and, and be real with where we are. That's what we have to see first, individually. And what where our mindset is and what we desire. Airing the Addisons. I think what God is really calling us back to, it's those individual personal revivals in our own lives where we're like, oh Lord, what have we done? We have minimized you. Promoting truth, wisdom, and empowerment. As the church, man, we should be on the forefront yes. of making disciples, of indoctrination and godly things. If we don't train our kids, they will not be able to stand. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Erin Addison's. On American Family Radio, thank you so much for listening. I'm Miki. And I'm Will. And Sweet Victory and Jay Macro on tap to help us navigate the show today. Um, we want to make sure that we let our listeners know where we're going to be this weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, an important ministry event taking place focused on marriage and the family. We're going to be at uh, Jacob's Well. That's right. Um, church. Yes. Okay, I want to make sure. I didn't know if, like, fellowship, I couldn't well, remember. Well, on the flyer here, it just says Jacob's Well. Boom. And, and, so, <laughs> and that's all you need. Okay. Yeah. Um, but you have more details, Will the Great. Yeah, Jacob's Well, 29554 Vic Fay Road, Past Christiane, Mississippi, 39571. It's the, a Christ-centered marriage conference. And so uh, if you want more information about that, you can register. You can still register. You can call 228 228- Two five five two five five five, or you can go to jacobswellbc.org Jacob jacobswellbc.org and so that's this coming Saturday and so you can go call or you can go to the website and you can register uh, for this Christ-centered marriage conference yeah that's exactly the intent uh, child care will also be provided um, we're gonna have our kids there I know that other couples will bring their kids. There will be activities for them to participate in as we spend a day uh, encouraging and being encouraged by one another um, in how important contending for our marriages are. Yes. Uh, not only in the time that we live in, but it's always been important. And, ju- <laughs> and just to um, a couple more details, lunch and, like you said, child care will be provided. Yeah. And the price is $50 per couple. Mm, there you so, go. Yeah. An, an investment, a date. And yes. also there's there will be there will be um a game show. <laughs> yes. So just to let our listeners know. Um and so and there will be legitimate prizes. Yes. Okay. There will be. So That's just right. come prepared for that. You can kind of like um cram. Is that what we used to call it in college? Cram? Is that what it was? Cram? Like for t- like, like test? study, yeah. yeah. You say cram, right? Yeah. Trying to get everything in. Okay, right. so okay, good. So you can. I just want to make sure. It's been a while. <laughs> I never thought I would forget what it was like to be a college student because that felt forever. Um, but you remember in college you would cram, mm-hmm. which was an incredible display of a lack of discipline because <laughs> that what that meant was that you hadn't spent the semester studying mm. or taking in the information or yeah. worse showing up for class. Um, and so so then you're you have the final exam and then you're cramming pulling. Um, those all-nighters. You can do that for um, the marriage game show. Feel, <laughs> feel like you don't know your spouse, just um, play a game with 20 questions on your way to the event so that you can be victorious. Uh, no That's sympathy funny. prizes will be given. Mm. You don't know your spouse. Actually, man, actually, maybe the maybe the loser should get the gift, the prize. Because... They may need it more. Huh? 
I just, yeah. I mean, I feel like, <laughs> I feel like depending, well, I don't want to give too much away, but depending on what the prize is, right. nur, 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 um, <laughs> maybe the losers need it more than the winners maybe because so. the winners maybe have proven they already are spending time together. So anyway, um, jacobswellbc.org, jacobswellbc.org. Yes. You can learn more information. It'd be a great opportunity for us to meet you and spend some time um, encouraging one another, laughing at each other, and um, enjoying the fact that, oh, we're we're normal. <laughs> I think we're sometimes normal. what happens yes. in the context of marriage and, and marital relationships, like friendships, mm-hmm. people are always on the outside looking in, and they think that marriage is something, you know, when they look at somebody else's marriage, mm-hmm. that, that it's not. You know what I right. mean? As if, like, so they kind of, like, are cloud walkers, you know? <laughs> like, they're just looking out, and they're like, you guys never have issues. Well, no, we don't put it on Facebook. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> right, right. I mean, of course, like, no. I mean, you know, we, we're not going to do that. We're, we're not going to be Xing it out. What do you call it? I don't know what you call it anymore. It's no longer Twitter. It's X. So yeah, yeah, how do you X. what do you post? I don't know. Do you say I posting mean, it on X? I guess. I don't know. I I'm sure I'm know. sure they have a name, like you know how you're supposed to say it, but I, I don't know. I'll have to look into that because it's tripping me up. Like I just, <laughs> you know, I you don't want I everything think, to you know. I think people are gonna they're gonna still say tweet for oh, a while. Wow. You know? I feel like Elon Musk is like, no, they won't. <laughs> like he's like, no, that's the thing we're working on, no, they won't. No. Because the Tesla's just a Tesla. Like I feel like he's like, you know. Anyway, um, all right, yeah. So, so yeah, I feel like people always looking on the outside think that there's something going on that there isn't, you know. And mm. and I think it's important for us to recognize that we all face the same battles because in the marital context, you are looking at the enemy's attack on marriage because it is a picture of Christ in the church. So every marriage experiences experiences some level of attack at some point. Mm-hmm. Like there's there's some type of confusion or there's some type of trial that you walk through. There's some type of loss that you suffer and it is really meant to discourage you. And yes. the question always becomes, how are we going to biblically respond yes. and how will that response glorify God? Right. And that yeah. is a fact. And yeah. the, the question is also, can we get better at recognizing who's behind? Oh, Because look, yes, the good. enemy works with our flesh. Yeah, to make absolutely. things pop off. <laughs> let's, yeah, let's be real. That's true. And so, a lot of times, in the midst of that stuff, we don't recognize the enemy, you know, mm-hmm. at work. Um, my brother Abraham preached a message yesterday talking about, you know, the one who throws the rocks but hide their hand. Oh. You know, and uh, the enemy does that. He yeah. throws a rock and hide his hands, like want you to oh, look at everything else but the real culprit. Mm-hmm. You know. And so, yeah, in marriage, I think the sooner we learn that, man, the enemy is trying to get in, trying to get a foothold yeah. by working with our flesh and our emotions yep. and all that stuff, that, that, you know, the better it will be. The, the, yeah. the easily we identify uh, him, the easier it would be to say, okay, we know what's going on here. Let's pray. Yeah, you know, I think that takes a certain level of steadfastness in marriage um, because of that, the topic that we're talking about today, I'll keep it focused there, but I, I think it takes a, a level of steadfastness because I think sometimes there is even an unwillingness to identify the true stone thrower. Yeah. I think sometimes in marriage, we are so blinded by our own emotions and what's immediately available to us, i.e. our feelings, right? So that we want the problem and we want the culprit to be the other person that we see. Mm-hmm. And so like when you have someone say, hey, this is the enemy, the enemy is at work in this. 
or you say there is a realm that um, we are battling in that we can't see, and the weapons that we fight with are not the weapons that are carnal, right? And we right? wrestle not, not against flesh and blood. Exactly. <laughs> I think when we say that, yeah. people find that um, condescending. Yeah. And the people who find that condescending are the people who don't know God mm. and don't believe his word. Uh, for a person who knows the Lord and believes his word, like mm. has read his word, is yeah. reading his word ongoingly and believes what he or she is reading. When someone says that, it's almost sort of like a um, it jolts you to reality, mm-hmm. right? Like it takes your eyes off the facade of the problem and fixes your eyes on reality. Right. Now, if you're easily angered and frustrated by people pointing to this unseen realm that he, that we that we um, know exists, mm-hmm. this unseen realm, and, and you're frustrated by that, I think it's probably because of a a uh, comfort, a high comfort level of walking in carnality. So like if you're if you're used to walking in the flesh, right, then you want to war according to the flesh. And if mm. someone says, well, there's a realm that you can't see that you really in prayer and and um, applying the word of God, this is these are the weapons that have been afforded to us. Then then that, you know, that doesn't upset you if you're not walking in the flesh. Mm. Right. If, if you are walking in the spirit of God and maybe you have a lapse you know, you, you forget that, man, that enemy really, you know, kind of caught you off guard there for a second. And then someone recalibrates you. You are thankful for that. You respond to that person with humility and gratitude. Thanks for, for pointing that out, man. Thank mm-hmm. you for recalibrating. However, if you are fleshly, if you are prone to walk in the flesh and enjoy it, then when someone says, hey, there's a battle here that you can't see and really you're in the midst of this, then you're going to be aggravated by that. You're, right. you're, you, you want to attack what you see. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like you, mm-hmm. you, and, and, and unfortunately in the context <laughs> of marriage, it's the spouse. It's mm. the other person who right. the Lord has given to you, who, right. to whom you've been given. And, right. and, you know, I think that's what we see a lot of the uh, disintegration of marriage happening um, because of that fact being ignored, that yeah. there are spiritual implications behind the things that we face. Now, again, not, you know, turning over every rock looking for, you know, a demon. Like, I'm not not that, not called to be a demon slayer. You right. know what I'm saying? Like, going right. after that. But recognizing that we are in a battle um, strengthens us. It yeah. strengthens us and encourages us, and it helps us to, to war rightly. And especially so, when, you, when you're speaking about marriage, yeah. picture of Christ in the church. Amen. And would you think that the enemy would not want to, you know, to attack that, you know, and you're endeavoring to like live according to the word of God. You think it's going to be scot free. Come on. And so, man, I think we can directly and and confidently say, yes, the enemy is seeking to destroy. And we see um, it at work all within our culture, not only in the bigger culture, but in the church. That's right. That's right. I mean, if you think about it and, and, you know, if, okay, just pause for a second here. If you think about some of the conversations that we've had in the last 10 to 15 years that would have been unheard of as it pertains to marriage. So, you know, first of all, the, the shock of just, you know, saying, well, I'm, I'm done. I don't want to be married to you anymore. And so then I'm leaving um, and I'm using that as a, a depiction or an illustration of a selfish approach, selfish approach to marriage. I'm not talking about um, the other thing. I know that there are things that happen where people. Um, there's abuse. And so I'm not, cause I feel like whenever you talk about divorce, people are like, 
they want to hold their hand up and say, wait a minute, you don't know what my situation was. Yeah. And, and you're right. I don't know what your situation was. Right. But what I can tell you is that marriage is a picture of Christ in the church and right. that Satan wants to mar that. Right. So so you add to that um, divorce and the breakdown of this picture. But then look in the last 10 to 15 years um, and look at what kind what kinds of conversations we're having, conversations about throuples, whether or not a marriage can be between, you know, two people of this gender and one of another or, you know, whatever, or look at between uh, two men or two women or two men who one is pretending to be a woman, like all of these different <laughs> things. And you think about that, like now that should that should hit us harder than it just being a cultural or political conversation. Right. Right. When we know and are aware that the the picture of marriage that God has given to us is meant to depict Christ and his bride, Christ mm-hmm. in the church. Mm-hmm. And so when you see those things, you're like, oh, my goodness. Mm-hmm. No wonder. No one. It, it starts to make sense to you why we have these different manifestations in culture and that they can only come from the mind of the wicked one. Right. Right. Because it's meant to confuse you on what this picture of Christ in the church are. I mean, they, they <laughs> really are insidious and reprehensible. Like if you, you think about what the enemy is really trying to do, but can I say it also provides a fuel to the activists fire mm-hmm. to stand up for righteousness. It's not just a political statement that you're making. You're not right. just standing up for the good old traditional institution of marriage. No, you are fighting for an accurate depiction of Christ and his bride. And yeah. and when you draw that as your conviction for fighting, and when you draw that as your conviction for engagement, it has a certain type of staying power, mm. right? Like it doesn't change based on what candidate is running or, you know, whether or not these people infiltrate the party. Like none of that stuff matters because you're like, I'm not actually here for that. Right. I'm, I'm actually here because Christ, right? And I'm, I'm here because he matters. And I'm here because I know who he is. And I'm here because he has told us what marriage actually depicts and so I want to agree with him mm-hmm. and I want to agree with him publicly and loudly mm-hmm. and I you know I don't care how many people get upset about that because my motivation is not you know it's not a march it's not a, a group a people group that I belong to it's because Christ has purchased me has redeemed me and so because he has redeemed me and I'm in relationship with him I have um, developed an understanding based on that relationship that his name is worth fighting for And the integrity of who he is and what he secures for us is worth defending. And I can defend that very easily. I never even have to leave my house, although I'm not saying for people to be a recluse, but (laughs) I never have to leave my house if, if I just defend my marriage. If I stand up for my marriage, I actually am saying something about who Christ is and what he has done for us to secure for us a relationship with God, to reconcile us to the Father, making us his bride. I... I'm actually doing that when I when I stand up and defend marriage first in my own home. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's an incredible thing that the Lord has invited us to participate in. It really, really is big. All right, but that's not even the topic of today's show. We'll take a break <laughs> and be right back. <laughs> you are so Me straight out that funeral. Ooh. 
Welcome back to Aaron the Addisons on American Family Radio. Thank you so much for spending this time with us and allowing us to spend this time with you. Um, just to let you know, if you ever can't listen to the program live, um, then you can get the podcast. So mm-hmm. uh, make sure you go to AFR.net uh, and you can catch it there or you can get it on your iPhone in your podcast app or on your Android, also in your podcast app. So that is available to you. All right. The thing I wanted to talk about today was this article that I was reading by uh, David Brooks, who is a well-known conservative columnist. And now I I always have to say, so I read a variety of articles and individuals and sometimes even listen to commentaries from people um, who I, I, they're not Christians, right? And so I can appreciate their perspective on some issues, but they can only go so far. Like I, you know, I feel like you can only listen for so long because then you're like, man, just their commentary and their observations um, can't get us to the place where as believers, we actually long to get right. Understanding this, the spiritual underpinnings of what we're talking about. But there are some, um, some conversations that I think just it's a, there's a common grace that is, (laughs) that is uh, displayed that people understand and can see some things. And so anyway, David Brooks, uh, from what I can tell, is not a Christian. Now, I, I I think he is Jewish, but is married to a Christian. And so I think mm. he, I read another article where he was interviewed and he said that he was a deepening, um, he was a, a Jew who was deepening in his faith and he described himself as a confused Christian. Mm. So he doesn't, he doesn't know if he's like, which one, either a Jew that was deepening in his faith, I think he said, or a confused Christian. So, um, at any rate, I say all of that to say, uh, this article that I was reading, um, was really, really interesting. And I just thought, man, you know, it's amazing how people can get so close to knowing that God must be turned to but still refuse to do it like they they can yeah. and and have so much wisdom and and so much um insight but still refuse to come to the one who is the giver of that wisdom um they they still cannot quite make heads or tails as to you know why the observations that they've even made are such that they are and so that always is just so astounding to me like it's like wait you're so close like just you know Humble yourself. I don't know, you know, or because there, no doubt if he's married to he's married to a woman who uh, graduated from Wheaton, I would assume that as an evangelical, as she was described in, the, in another article that I read, th- that she had some kind of conversation with him about the gospel. Yeah, I mean, that's I would, just my you, assumption. You, you, I, yeah, I, you, you know. would assume that. Yeah. That would be one of those like deep personal <laughs> conversations that I would have with my spouse. So anyway, um, but this article is written by David Brooks. It's in the Atlantic. And the article is How America Got Mean. which <laughs> Just grabbed my attention, right? How America Got Mean. And, um, and as I was reading it, I was thinking, man, you know, the reality is that when a nation forgets God, um, we all feel it like yeah. it, like the entirety of the it's, it's not just in in the land. It's not just in politics. It's not just in communication or media. It's like in like human interaction, mm-hmm. like when a nation forgets God, we all feel the effects of that. Right. And so David Brooks makes this point in this. It's a really long article, but I think it's worth the read. Now, let me again I feel like people are mature enough to understand this, but because I've received a number of emails over the last 15 years of doing 
national radio, mm-hmm. I, I know that I need to say this. He is not a professing Christian. So even as I share his content, you're going to hear some things with which you're going to d- disagree. Congratulations. That is active listening and that is discerning listening. Like you, right. you should be able to listen to things that you say, no, I disagree with that and I reject right. that. Um, I've heard people use the expression that I eat the meat and spit out the bones. I don't really like that because if, <laughs> if, if I'm consuming some content by someone who's not a Christian, I'm not really sure that I want to eat any of it. Like I do want to think about some of the things that they have written and I outright want to reject the things that I disagree with, Mm -hmm. but I don't know that I just want to say all of it. I take in, I don't know. And, and maybe, maybe there's a better way to describe that, but please be mature as you listen to me talk about this, um, this piece here. So anyway, this is written by David Brooks. This is over at the Atlantic, how America, how America got mean. I just, I just (laughs) like the title by the way, you know, I, I feel like it's anyway, how America got mean. Um, this is how it starts. And and I'm going to read quite a bit of this. And then I, I want to weave in some of my, my commentary here because, um, again, a person who doesn't fear God can only take you so far in what they observe happening in culture. All right. Over the past eight years or so, I've been obsessed with two questions. This is David, David Brooks writing. Okay. The first is why have Americans become so sad? The rising rates of depression have been well publicized, as have the rising deaths of despair from drugs, alcohol and suicide. But other statistics are similarly troubling. The percentage of people who say they don't have close friends has increased fourfold since 1990. The share of Americans ages 25 to 54 who weren't married or living with a romantic partner. See, this is where Mm nonbeliever. okay, right. Right. Was up to 38 percent in 2019 from 29 percent in 1990. A record high, 25% of 40-year-old Americans have never married. More than half of all Americans say that no one knows them well. Let me just repeat that line. More than half of all Americans say that no one knows them well. All right, so this goes to interconnectedness. This goes to close relationships and friendships and ties with people where you can say, I mean, that's, you know, This person knows me well. Man, Mm -hmm. that almost to me goes in the category of being basic. But let me continue. (laughs) All right. The percentage of high school students who report, quote, persistent feelings of sadness or hopelessness shot up from 26% in 2009 to 44% in 2021. Mm. So that's the the first question. Um, Why have Americans become so sad? All right. So here we go. Moving on. My second related question is, Why have Americans become so mean? I'm actually curious about this one as well. And and, and they are, as he says, related questions, right? He continues. I was recently talking with a restaurant owner who said that he has to eject a customer from his restaurant for rude or cruel behavior once a week. Mm. Something that never used to happen. A head nurse at a hospital told me that many on her staff are leaving the profession because patients have become so abusive. At the far extreme of meanness, hate crimes rose in 2020 to their highest level in 12 years. Murder rates have been surging, at least until recently. Same with gun sales. Social trust is plummeting. In 2000, two-thirds of American households gave to charity. In 2018, fewer than half did. The words that define our age reek of menace, conspiracy, polarization, mass shootings, trauma, 
safe spaces. Mm. We're enmeshed in some sort of emotional, relational, and spiritual crisis, and it undergirds our political dysfunction and the general crisis of our democracy. What is going on, David Brooks asks here. Now, I'll just pause for a second, and then he's going to kind of go into some of the responses that have been given. Um, But you can already tell how this is the type, or let me say these are the types of questions that cannot be answered just by someone's like conservative bent, right? Like these are the types of these questions, even though he lists them in a sort of like a, um, a sequence of emotional, relational and spiritual crises. Like this is what we're dealing with. Really, the reason you have the emotional and the relational aspect of this is because of the spiritual aspect of this. Mm. And, and, and that's the point that ultimately I want to make as I was reading the article and just filtering this through a biblical lens. Mm-hmm. I can see the rejection of God all over it. I can see the rejection. I can see the result of a nation that rejects God at all levels, starting in our homes. And then it works its way out from there. So yeah. you, you think about all of the other stats that we have, all of the, the, the rise of the nuns. You think of the youngest mm-hmm. generation right now that we're tracking Gen Z and mm-hmm. how they're the least religious in the history of this country. And, and remember, these, well, at the time that we were talking about this just a few years ago, they were still largely in their parents' homes. And so when you, when you look at that and you say, man, all of this stuff is trickling out into the larger society. And yes, there are emotional underpinnings and yes, there, there are, you know, political and relational and all of those things. But all of that is the outflow from a spiritual root that has rotted in Mm. America. And, 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 and there is just no way that you can, just politicize your way out of that or just emotional health your way out of that or just create or foster great relationships out of that. And I think those are some of the things that we are prone to do when we deny the spiritual aspect as the base. Like that's, that is the root. And if, and if you don't deal with that, then all of the things that continue to be the fruit will continue to pop out because the root is that we have forgotten God. We, we are a nation that has moved away from God. And so anyway, I just think that's really important. Let me continue with his article here. Unless, mm-hmm. Will the Great, were you, did you? No, no, go tell. ahead. Continue. Okay. All right. So he goes on. Over the past few years, uh, different social observers have offered different stories to explain the rise of hatred, anxiety, and despair. Right? Okay. So here we are, all ears. So he says, the technology story, social media is driving us all crazy. The social story. We stop participating in community organizations and are more isolated. The demography story, America, long a white dominated nation, is becoming a much more diverse country, a change that has millions of white Americans in a panic, which I think that's hilarious. So so you're saying the white people turning up. That's what you're- <laughs> Anyway, um, David Brooks doesn't talk like that. That's uh, that's <laughs> just me trying to make sense of it. All right. So that's it. The demography story. That's funny to me. The economy story. High levels of economic inequality and insecurity have left people afraid, alienated and pessimistic. And then he says, I agree to an extent with all of these stories. Really, David? OK, but I don't think any of them is the deepest one. He says, sure, social media has bad effects. But it is everywhere around the globe. And the mental health crisis is not. Now, that's interesting, right? So you've got social media, but all around the world, 
but the kind of mental health issues that we see in America are not experienced in the same places where you have social media. Now, that's that's worth thinking about, because remember, if we also say that the spiritual underpinnings must be taken into consideration, that also tells you something must be unique and distinct about our nation. Mm. Like if you you know what I'm saying, because if if it if it is an aspect of social media consumption Mm -hmm. and we do have some social scientists who would point to that. And then, but you have it all around the world, but they're not experiencing the same type of mental issues that we are but experiencing. They don't have the same type of social media. They don't have the same type of countries. social media. That's they're not, true. They're not seeing the same content. That in is true. Countries. That cannot be ignored. I was thinking that there's not the same type of um, foundation yeah, in other countries. Too. You know what that's I mean? There's not too. the same type of, um, you know put in extra effort to ignore the reality of God and his existence. I I think in America, uniquely, as a nation, and I'm including myself in this because I'm an American, Mm -hmm. but uniquely as a nation, we have worked overtime to suppress the knowledge of God in our country because, because the knowledge of God in our country was so pervasive. Yeah. A story that is not the same in some of the other countries around the world. That's true. So that's that's just my thinking about that. But now that's only if you limit it to social media because that's not the only thing. I mean, right. that's just one of the points that he makes and he says you don't have the same mental health things going on all around the world. So then getting to the economic theory, right? So economic inequality is real, David Brooks writes, but it doesn't fully explain this level of social and emotional breakdown. The sociologists are right that we're more isolated, but why? What values lead us to choose lifestyles that make us lonely and miserable? Now, that's the question. So so whenever someone says, what values, what values lead us to choose lifestyles that make us lonely and miserable? A question of values is a question, is a conversation about morality. Mm. And a question of morality is a conversation about God. There's there is not a conversation to be had about morality, what is right or what is wrong, what people value and what should be valued without God. And so, again, getting back to this, when you ask a question about values, you are asking a question about the spiritual condition. Mm. You are asking a question about what do we do with the let me what do we do with the reality of God? What do we do with the fact that God is? And I think in our nation, what we have done is we have tried to put a blanket over the reality that we know that God is like that, that we know. And and that's a part of the fabric of this country. And so I think the rejection of it has been dire because there's more accountability, right? Like we, we are accountable for what we know and we are accountable for what we suppress. So back to the article here. Mm hmm. The most important story about why Americans have become sad and alienated and rude, I believe, is also the simplest. Now, listen to this. We inhabit a society in which people are no longer trained how to treat others with kindness and consideration. We inhabit a society in which people are no longer trained in how to treat others with kindness and consideration. Our society has become one in which people feel licensed to give their selfishness free reign. You can see why I was drawn to this piece, right? (laughs) The story I'm going to tell is about morals. In a healthy society, a web of institutions, families, schools, religious groups, community organizations, and workplaces helps form people into kind and responsible citizens, the sort of people who show up for one another, 
We live in a society that's terrible at moral formation, which is exactly what happens when a society forgets God. That's like right. that's exactly what happens right. when you move away from God. When you know that God exists, but you actively work to suppress that knowledge of God in unrighteousness. This is the Romans one effect, right? That man becomes futile in his thinking. All right, we'll grab the break. Aaron the Addison's American Family Radio. Stay right there. So I throw up my hands and praise you again and again. Cause all that I have is a hallelujah, hallelujah. And I know it's not much, but I've nothing else fit for a king. Except for a heart singing hallelujah, hallelujah. How America Got Mean. That's the conversation today. <laughs> Looking at this David Brooks article um, that, or column that I found over at The Atlantic. <clears throat> Excuse me. And uh, just, man, trying to filter that through a biblical lens. You know, there are some some great conservative writers that we have and, and commentators that we have talking about the issues happening. And and they do an incredible job. I, I could list some and you could list some. Um, but the, the bottom line is... There is a spiritual component that must ever be before us when we're talking about what's going on around us. And That's so we right. can only go so far with like our conservative favorites. Right. They, they write <laughs> some good things that kind of provoke us to thinking, right. which is great. Um, but then the deepest need that we have is to understand the spiritual components of the things that we face. Amen. And so they, they can't get us there. So it's like it's like, ah, you almost have to step in as you're reading and say, OK, I'll take it from here. You know what I mean? It's like, <laughs> right. thank you so much for drawing my attention to this, but I'm going to go ahead and get this over the finish line for us. And so that's kind of what I want to do yeah. with David Brooks, which is probably insulting to him because, I mean, I'm sure his brain is huge, well, right? So he's, you know. Well, look, that's why it's important for us to know that these things are spiritual in nature and, and as Christians be able to make the connections. Like, so yeah. you can read something like that and our minds should automatically go to the word of God. What, Amen. What, what does the word say about this? We, yeah. we understand that there's a root cause. That That's right. You can't just deal with these symptoms and these things on the surface. But what is the real reason why this is happening? <laughs> and so from a spiritual standpoint, you got to say like, man, when you turn your back on God. Yes. This is the result. Come and on. so and, and and so we make that determination based upon the word of God. So you have somebody that writes something like this, they may not even understand because it's spiritually discerned. That's but right. we as believers, we're looking at it like, well, I know what's going on. Yeah, we do. And you know, it's interesting, and I'm I'm so glad that you said that and talking about turning our attention to the word of God, because as I was looking at this and thinking about and and how America got so mean, you know, how America got mean, that's <laughs> such a basic question, but there all of the outflow of that, like and I understand what what the comment is, right. um, but even all of the outflow of that points to a rejection of God. You know, one of the things I was thinking as I was reading through this and just kind of jotting some some notes down, um, I was thinking that, man, we need God to tell us not to be monsters. 
You know what I mean? Like, and I know that people are like, no, I'm not a monster. You know, um, Skillet would say, yes, you are. <laughs> uh, you can go look up the song anyway. Um, but, but we are, we are, we, yeah. without the Lord, we don't do the things that we should do. We don't even do the things that even in our conscience, right? The reminder that you're made in the image of God. We don't even do those things that our consciences tell us to do without God. It's like we can override those things to do the things that serve us well. And so in our country, when we're talking about how we got mean and, and how we are so, you know, self-serving and mm. disconnected and how we are just selfish and, and, and greedy and covetous, like all of these things that we are as a nation, which, and my goodness, we in the world, but I'm, I'm looking at our country cause you know, I live here, but in, in this country, not only are we all of those things, but we have found a way to monetize those things, mm. like to make those things successful. Right. So like if you are if you are cutthroat and you are selfish and greedy and if you will step on and crush anybody to get where you need to get, we give you a reality show. <laughs> and like we and we and we and we like champion that we and we say, you. yeah, and then yeah. We, we get you sponsors and we get you people who will pay you money to be like like the base representation of humanity like you know scrape the barrel and we'll buy that like we'll take that you know what i mean like you're not going to eat those burnt parts we'll take that and so that's what we do in america and it's it's really sad because getting back to the point that you made that we need the word of god like i was thinking about all of the things that we as christians take for granted many of us because for a long time we've heard it we've been taught it we read it ourselves and we should never just treat you know, the word of God flippantly, mm -hmm. but we are in a sense familiar with God shaping our character. Yeah. Even if we don't like, you know, submit all the time, we know that we have not submitted. We are living in a time where people in this country, they don't even think there's anything wrong with what they're doing. Mm. Like, you know, m m your body sells ads. And so like, you think I should, <laughs> I should mourn about that. Like I should, like you have to almost give people back a conscience, right? You have to tell them, Hey, what you're doing is morally wrong. It's morally reprehensible. Like mm. I was thinking in some of the, the scriptures. So you, in Colossians chapter three and Ephesians chapter four and chapter five, mm -hmm. Romans 13, that tells us to submit to authorities. Like mm -hmm. you think about all the things that the Bible tells you to do, right? You think that these things are defaults. No, they're not. Even for Christians, even for Christians, it's like you come into the body of Christ. So now you have all of these letters that are written to the church telling you, okay, Hey, so now since you're a Christian and everything, now, here's how you live. OK, so now since you're a Christian, don't do these things. And like, I was, so just to look at Colossians chapter three. Right. So and again, seemingly very basic, but revolutionary to a wicked person who has now been transformed. So so now that you are transformed, now that you have come to the knowledge of God, you no longer live the way you once lived. I'm going to look at Colossians chapter three, start at verse five. Okay. Therefore, consider the members of your earthly body as dead to immorality, impurity, passion, even desire. I'm sorry, evil desire and greed, which amounts to idolatry. Oh, so it's so it's bad to be greedy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's bad. Like, you don't want to do that. You don't want to you don't want to be greedy. But listen, even among Christians. And, and one of the things that really grieves me about this conversation about, you know, how America has forgotten God is that we're training our kids to be greedy. We're, we're training our kids. Hey, you don't have to share that. I'll just get you your own. Hmm. Hey, no, you, 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 you want some more, you want some more, you want some more. And, and we just say, I get it. And, and then, and then, you know, we don't even have to like, you know, travel 
far and wide, we just we just go to Amazon. <laughs> you know, like that's a thing. Like, I mean, not to out our kids, but you know, our kids is, hey, can I go Amazon shopping? No, you can't go Amazon shopping. What are you talking <laughs> about? And then, hey, I have my own money. Okay, great. Well, then I still want to decide how you spend it. <laughs> People are like, is that what you do? Yep, that's surely what we do. That's what we do. You just you, Why? Because we don't want kids to be materialistic and covetous. I just, I just need, I want, I never have enough. I need, I want, I never have enough. Like those things still matter to God, but we've mm. moved away from those things. And when you move away from those things, right, then all the other things you feel like you can jettison that too. You don't have to do that anymore. All right, back to the word of God. So verse six, for it is because of these things that the wrath of God will come upon the sons of disobedience. And in them, you also once walked when you were living in them, but now You also put them all aside. Now listen to this anger, wrath, malice, slander, and abusive speech from your mouth. I feel like some people are like, man, Colossians 3, 8 will (laughs) kick me off social media. I wouldn't be able to be. I feel like some people are like, wait, is is that true? Is that like, like, is that for real, real? Because I wouldn't be able to have my social needs. Well, (laughs) if that's all you got coming from your socials, then probably go ahead and take a little fast. Go ahead and take a little break. But here's the thing. When we read God's word, not as a collection of suggestions, which is something I've been on here now. It's like these are God's commands. Like Mm. when God tells us to put all of those things away from us, he means that. Like that's not a. And so if you get around to it, you know, like just I just want you to try not to be greedy. Try try not to be, you know, uh, vengeful. Try not to, you know, just say whatever you feel. You know, no, God's not asking us if we feel like it or if if we get around to it or if it works for our social media presence. Like he's not asking about our footprint. You know what I'm saying? Like, does this (laughs) does this, you know, add to your credibility? There's some Christians who make it their legend that they just come off the top ropes at people. Shame on you. Shame Mm. on you that you're like, well, but it builds my followers. So that's the price of your soul. Mm. That's the price of your soul. Now, now, some people don't think that that, you know, really threatens whether or not or points to whether or not they're believers because they think that when they read the scriptures, that's not what God is commanding. They're thinking, well, you know, you know, in, in the Ephesians, I mean, they like had sores and stuff and they were like chopping people up. So they're like, so I'm good. No, actually, he's talking about speech here. Mm. And he's talking about speech in Ephesians chapter four, verse twenty nine. He's, you know, he, he cares about how we communicate with one another and whether you do that with your fingers and you got a healthy dose of keyboard courage or you do that <laughs> with your mouth. God actually cares about that. So how why are we mean? We're mean because we are a nation that has forgotten God. Come on. And we have no no space in our life for retaining him in any of the things that we do. How do That's I get it. my promotion on my job? Well, I just sell out my coworker, take credit for Come what on. he's done. I just take credit for what he did. So he did all the hard work and I'll just step in there, put my name on it. Why do I get to do that? Because it serves me well. Mm. I'll just take somebody's intellectual property. It doesn't matter. Like I'll claim credit for that. Mm. Someone makes a post. They have a great quote. I love it. But you know what? They don't have a lot of followers. So I'll grab that quote. I'll make that quote my own. And then people will like my page, which means people like me. Oh, This is this is where we live. And guess what? God cares about all of those things. Like those are not things that God's just like, you know. And so, man, like as if God didn't anticipate that one day there would be Facebook. It's like (laughs) it's like it's like it's the ridiculousness of people saying and guys, I've actually heard people make make this argument that that God did not 
foresee or that Jesus, let me, let me, what was it? That Jesus didn't talk about homosexual marriage because he didn't know that there would develop these loving marriages that were <laughs> y'all come on y'all. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. What in no knowledge of who God is. Right. You know what I mean? Like what, I mean, who, we, the, what? the all knowing one, the one who eternally exists, the, the alpha and omega, the first yeah. and the last, the beginning and the end, who was, who is, and is to come, didn't know. Like, come on, just stop with that, right? Really? But, but the point that I'm making, the point that I'm making is that all of these things that we see happening in culture, we as Christians have to ask ourselves if we have contributed to this in any way. Like, mm. it's not just looking at the, the wicked among us. Because look, as much as we would like to look at Paul's letter to the Ephesians and somehow kind of like apply that to people who don't know Jesus. Paul's actually talking to people who do know Jesus. Mm. He's talking to the people who have made, they have decided yeah. <laughs> to follow Jesus. Right. And so yeah. he's talking to them and he's saying, so now since you've done this, now since you've made this decision to follow Jesus, this is what it looks like. This is, this is how you actually live it out. Right. In fact, in one portion of Paul's letter where he's saying, man, you know, people are doing all these things, but that's not the way you learn Christ. That's that's I mean, there's some people who want to justify their sin. They want to live like this. But Paul says that's not the way you learned Christ. Mm. And so what is the remedy for what we see in our culture today? It's not just lamenting that we're mean and saying, man, we don't have any common places, any common structures where we can have um morality distributed among us anymore where morality is not taught. Yes, those are some of the things, but at the heart of it, really those who are tasked with being salt and light in any given culture, anywhere in the world are the Christians, the followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. So, so if America is getting meaner or mean, however you see it, then we have to ask ourselves, I think, what role we play in that. We cannot expect wicked people to do righteous things, right? And so we should lament when righteous people do unrighteous things. Like we should say, you know, that's not right. And, and, and can I say this too? We should also not show up for it. Now, mm. what do I mean? I mean, like when you see people like, you know, Hulk smashing people on social media, and I'm just using that as an example because that tends to be like, you know, I don't know, <laughs> the the brash communication of choice, right? Because usually I just don't know a lot of people who say things to people face to face that they say on social media. That's true. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I just, I don't, and I don't think it's just me. Like, I don't, I just don't know people who do that to other people. I think there is a certain, wow, this is a person moment rather than like when you're on social media, when mm. you're tweeting things and you know, liking the comments, you dehumanize the people that you're interacting with. Like you've, you've got this cousin that you haven't seen. And then all of a sudden you're talking to this cousin on social media and it's like, not your cousin. You think you're talking to like bots. You know what I mean? You think all of a sudden your cousin becomes like AI and it's not even like a real person. And so then what do you do? You do things that actually biologically can't happen. So you like unfriend family. It's like, dude, y'all, <laughs> y'all got like the same blood running through your veins, like your family. And, and you're like, no, but not on social needs. Like those are the things that we do. Uh. Right. Because, because we think somehow out there, it doesn't count. So, so what I'm saying is the reason 
that America is mean is because America has forgotten God. Mm-hmm. And, and, and mean is putting it lightly, right? Mean is kind of like, you know, um, I, I think of Bob Ross. It's like, eh, but just little feathers, just little, just every little happy, happy, happy. Like mean is putting it lightly, but we've got bigger problems than that. In this country, we have forgotten God and we have normalized immorality and it has seeped into every area of our society. It's in the pulpit on a Sunday morning in our churches, right? And in really graphic ways. Mm. And so if we want to lament the state and the condition of our country, we've got to do several things. One, we've got to consider the ways that we contribute. And then two, we've got to go back to the straight edge of God's word and ask what God intended for us in every place that we would live and in every time that we would be salt and light until he returns. That's what he expects of us. So whether or not that's salting and lighting up, you know, Facebook or X or Insta, (laughs) you know, or that's just in our conversation, in our local congregations, we've got to be guilty of doing those things for his glory. All right. We're out of time until tomorrow. Lord willing. God bless.